Welcome into another episode of Two Cents Sports Talk. I'm your host, Adam Katulak, joined by my co-host, Brian Crum. What's up, Adam? Doing this a lot, a lot yeah. more often, man. Yeah, we have, but I'm enjoying it. There's a lot of good content out there, um, and a lot of good games that we're, we've been talking about, a lot of good um, scenarios. So with that, we're going to jump right in, and it's college football playoff season, and we have four of the best teams in the country playing each other. Uh, I think the four best teams, in my opinion, and I'm really excited to see what... Uh, what the new year holds on Friday. So to start, we're going to talk about the um, Clemson Tigers versus the Ohio State Buckeyes and, uh, and just what our thoughts are on the game. So I'll start with this. Um, Clemson's coming in with a high-powered offense. They have had 400 yards and 34 points in each game this year, which is really historic. Um, they've been really balling out this year with Trevor Lawrence leading them. He missed a few day, a few games, but... Uh, Big Ocho or DJ Ugalalele, um, their freshman five-star quarterback, filled in really well. They lost Notre Dame in double overtime as their only loss, but, I mean, he, he filled in really well through 439 passing yards, but they didn't get it done in overtime at Notre Dame, which is the fourth seed, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Clemson's offensive um, one has really carried him this year, and that's something I'm excited to watch. Uh, I was able, I was um, fortunate enough to go to a game um, uh, against Pittsburgh at Clemson, so it was a really fun game. It's the only game I was able to go to this year, um, football, baseball, or basketball, so it was really nice being able to do that. Um, we got blown out 52-17. to 17. It was Trevor Lawrence's first game back, and he really just he balled out. It was it was really impressive, but um, I'm really looking forward to the game on Friday versus Ohio State, a rematch from the college football playoff last year where it was um, almost an instant classic. It was really good, nail-biter down to the wire, so I'm just really looking forward to the game and uh, just want to get Brian's initial thoughts there before we continue. Yeah, uh, well, it, I'm big on the context, Adam. So mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, like you point out, the OSU played Clemson last year and 2020 you know, playoff semifinals. Mm-hmm. OSU is the two seed. We had fields. And we lost 23 to 29 to the number three Clemson team mm-hmm. with uh, Trevor Lawrence at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Clemson goes on and they lose to LSU and Joe Burrow in the uh, in the finals there. Mm-hmm. And then year before that, OSU 2019 OSU wasn't even in it. And then we've got Clemson in it. Uh, Clemson wins it that year. That yep. was, Trevor Lawrence that was that Lawrence. freshman year. Yep. So, um, OSU also wasn't in it in 2018 whenever uh, Clemson was the number one seed, but they lost to Alabama. Mm-hmm. And they lost a pretty tough one in the semifinals, just 24 to 6. Uh, 2017, I mean, this might be a little bit of a long history, but I, I, it really does put it in perspective. So, 2017, OSU was in it. So, the first time that OSU was in the college football playoffs um, prior to the OSU being in college football playoffs in 2020 last year. And it was against Clemson again. And this time it was Clemson who was number two with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. And they put up the 31 points and they, they OSU had a goose egg. They skunked them. So, uh, with JT Barrett, 
So OSU has a bad taste in their mouth when it comes to CFP and Clemson. <laughs> um, now the first year of the college, now OSU wasn't in in 2016. Clemson was. Uh, Clemson, you know, was a number one seed, and they ended up losing to Alabama in a classic game where it was 45 to 40. So OSU wasn't in it that year. But the first year that OSU was in it and the first year that the CFP uh, was created, OSU was four seed. We had, uh, who was it then? Uh, Cardell Jones? Oh, he came number out. Number 12, Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones, Car- yes. Yeah, yep. Cardell Jones, who came in and, you know, had the three biggest games of his career. Yep. Uh, the Big Ten Conference championship Against game. Against Wisconsin. And, and then he had the first round of the CFP in the semifinals against the number one Alabama mm-hmm. OSU won 42 to 35, which was a huge game in instant classic. Yes, it was. And then, and then they ended up torching Oregon 42 to 20 mm-hmm. as the four seed. So, uh, the OSU fans have that one first year to love and remember, but then mm-hmm. since then the CFP has just been, a bad experience of getting matched up against a, a Clemson team, you know, uh, headed by a top tier quarterback like Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence. Yep. So what's this year going to be? Because last year, Justin Fields is another top tier quarterback where people would argue. And he actually put up a fight against Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. at 23, 29. So, I guess that's that's my question to you, Adam, because I'm not watching this as closely as you might, um, especially not going to any games like you were. So mm-hmm. that you've seen this in person. Um, what do, do you think that Trevor Lawrence is one legit, and do you think that uh, that Justin Fields is too legit, mm-hmm. or do you think that? the narrative on either one of those guys is wrong. Okay. So I'll start with Trevor Lawrence. I was able to see him his freshman year against Pittsburgh in the ACC championship game. They did um he wasn't as hot as he was the first uh, as this year um when I saw him, but he was it was a rainy game and you know, it was just wasn't clicking as much, but they ended up winning and pulling that game out. But I think Trevor Lawrence is definitely the number one pick in this year's draft and he has been all year. He's been showing that. He's been balling out. Like I mentioned earlier, Clemson's had 400 yards and 34 points in each of their 11 games this year, which is just extremely impressive in my opinion. Just you know, being able to keep putting up points like that, have the weapons around him. I think ETN's one of the better running backs in the game. They have a good receiving core, good offensive line. Do you think overall, ETN? So. Do you think ETN is uh, like one of the best running backs? Do you think that he benefits a lot because Trevor Lawrence is his quarterback? I think he or does. Do you think he's a real deal too? I think he does benefit a lot because Trevor Lawrence is his quarterback. In large part, you saw that against the um, against Notre Dame. He only had the, the game Trevor Lawrence missed. He missed Boston College and Notre Dame. ETN had 84 yards against Boston College, and he only had 28 yards against Notre Dame. And whenever um, whenever Lawrence came back this time against Notre Dame, ETN had 124 yards. I think the threat of Lawrence's legs, ex- extending plays, and having to consider him rather than DJ, who's not as 
uh, mobile as Lawrence is, really helped benefit ETN. Similar to other podcasts we've talked about with the Steelers, you know, being able to space out the field a little bit more with Ben's arm and throwing it downfield rather than keeping it close. I think that this helps with Lawrence being able to move and run a little bit. It benefits ETN in the sense that, okay, he's not the only guy who we know could potentially run the ball. So um, that, and then ETN can also get you in the air, and that's something that's can be um, a big threat from him as well and that helps with Lawrence he's pretty good at checking it down to him making sure he's featured um similarly to I think how Drew Brees features Alvin Kamara compared to Taysom Hill sort of focuses on deeper plays he hasn't really learned the check down yet that's sort of like that I think the ETN has that nice ETN and Lawrence have that nice duo I think it's a big reason he came back was trying to get another championship and knowing Lawrence is um steering the ship is a big part of like hey let's we have a good shot at this so that's what I would say with that. I really think Lawrence is the real deal. I think he's progressed a lot over the last three years, and I think he's going to do well with whatever team takes him. I hope they put a good offensive line around him so he doesn't get banged up too much, give him some weapons, and really just let him cook. So I really think he's going to be pretty good in the next um, level. Justin Fields, on the other hand, um, he was uh, number two, I think, recruit in the class, and they're both from Georgia. They're both Georgia kids. I don't know if you knew that, but it's funny how they're one and two recruit in the same class, from Georgia, number one pocket passer was um, Lawrence, but he's obviously shown he can run a little bit too. And then you have um, uh, Justin Fields, who's number one scrambler, but he can throw. You know, he can throw decently as well. He's pretty accurate. You know, he has weapons as well that are really good. But I mean, it's he's shown that he can throw the ball consistently. But I do have a few questions with um, with Justin Fields overall. And I just want to. I, I guess we're gonna get some answers this weekend, but. The last three ranked opponents he played, Clemson in the college football playoff semifinal, um, Indiana this year, and Northwestern, his stats aren't jaw-dropping, I guess. He's um, 60 for 103 uh, passing-wise, which is 58.25%. He has three touchdowns and seven interceptions. So it's just a little interesting to see what's going on with the last three ranked teams. Um, So I'm just really curious to see you know, now Clemson's probably the best team. I think that they're definitely the best team they've faced all year. And defensively, they have all their guys back or most of their guys back. So they're going to be pretty good and ready to go there. So I'm just really curious to see what he's going to do against another more elite defense, I guess, uh, more ranked team. So I'm just really looking forward to seeing that. And I don't think his team's – I don't think the supporting cast is as good for Ohio State this year as it was last year. They don't have Chase Young. They don't have um, Okuna in the uh, secondary and then offensively they just Dobbins is gone and that was a big part I think that kept the game close and I thought Ohio State had you know had the first punch had the first few punches against Clemson last year was because Dobbins in the running game was really there this year that it's been there I guess against Northwestern with Trey Sermon running the ball a lot but I mean I, I haven't seen it as much it hasn't been as pronounced as what it was with Dobbins and then the secondary wise it's um that's a little bit of question mark for Ohio State they seem a little vulnerable there so I'm really curious to see what corrections are made and what comes of it because uh, Clemson's offense, like I said, they're 400 yards and 34 points a game. That's going to keep coming, and they have strength in the passing game and in the running game also. They're not too bad. Ohio State has strength in the front seven, but I still see um, I still see them being able to throw the ball downfield, have big plays, and then also have ETN in the field because ETN also helped carry Clemson last last year as well. Yeah, well, I think. Um... I would have to that. I would have to say that makes sense because I I'm kind of concerned about uh, Justin Fields because it seems like OSU always seems to produce good playmakers. Like 
um, you know, Michael Thomas. You've got uh, yeah, Terry McLaurin, McLean, um, McLaurin. You've got Curtis Samuel's not bad. Uh, you know, he's he's starting to come on with the uh, the Panthers. You have Dobbins. Samuels have, is starting to come on with, with the you Panthers. Have... Dobbins. Now that they're giving them the ball more, mm-hmm. he's becoming a playmaker. And you know, Dobbins actually was you know really good with OSU. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if Dobbins is just another uh, what Terry McLaurin was to Dwayne Haskins, who. Dwayne Haskins just got cut mm-hmm. in two years with the Redskins, and he was a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. And then, or what Michael Thomas was to JT Barrett or Cardell Jones kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's where this year I don't see that person for OSU, but I haven't been watching these games closely. Yeah. So I don't know who that J.K. Dobbins, Michael Thomas, or or uh, Terry McLaurin is this year for OSU, but that's my big question. So my thought would be um, Chris Olave would be the big deep play threat who's pretty good, goes up against the ball. He's going to be a first, second round pick, and that's someone that they missed in the, play, uh, in the Big Ten championship game against um, Northwestern. That's a little bit of it seemed like they seemed out of funk when they were playing Northwestern because a lot of it wasn't there so Garrett Wilson had to step up and be the number one receiver and he's typically the number two but when you have the two one two punch it's harder to guard them both but when a lot of it was out it seemed like Garrett Wilson he did all right but it wasn't really enough to carry him he's not he's not an Alave type where he can go over the top and get there so that's something else that you know they were missing in the, in the Northwestern game but in the end the end I believe they had them both and it was still a struggle for him but I feel like the Olave factor will be good, but he just came off COVID. So we mentioned earlier, you know, Lamar Jackson came off COVID. Other players have come off COVID. Miles Garrett, even, you know, he's out of breath a little bit. He's a little gassed. What's Olave going to look like, you know, on 10 day rest after the last game when he missed because of it? I, I don't know. That's going to be a question that we're going to have to find out, but it will be a factor going in. I feel like COVID will be a factor. And it'll be a factor for Clemson as well with um, their offensive coordinator is actually going to be out. Uh, with COVID, so he tested positive as well. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, both teams are dealing with it a little bit. Ohio State's more recovering from it, more so recovering it from it. But it's not like you get over it right away. You have to, you know, get your stamina back up because you don't really practice it. You know, any during it, you're not feeling your best, and you're um, yeah. So that, that's just something to look into there as well. Okay. Yeah. So the games are um, are this Thursday? No, Friday. not Thursday. New Year's so Day. Friday, they're, they're New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that we've kind of covered this one, um, the OSU versus Clemson game. Um, what does Vegas have the odds at, Adam? The Vegas has because the odds at Ohio State. Are all Clemson um, favorites by seven and a half points? And to give context, last year Clemson was favorites by two and a half points. So it's a five-point difference from... Um, last year to this year in favor of Clemson. Okay. Both were favoring Clemson. Clemson won by six last year, but they're favoring Clemson by five more points this year due to the, some of the And why do you life. think that is? I think Clemson was almost in a rebuilding year last year. They were a little bit younger, still um, replacing a lot of the guys they won the national championship with, especially on the defensive line. Um, Christian Wilkins and um, 
Dexter Lawrence, just to name two of them. And I think Ohio State also lost Chase Young and Akuna, like I said. Those were the number two overall pick. It went Burrow, Chase Young, and then Akuna. So, like, you have two and three overall in the NFL draft. You're losing that. It's hard to replace that talent, you know? They're not going to have those one and two and three pick overall this year. You don't see that very often, especially from the defensive side. So, it's been a little bit harder for the I guess the secondary has been the weakness of Ohio State so that's something else that's okay maybe is it the pass rush or Chase Young isn't there and you have the lockdown Acuna plus I mean Sean Wade came back for a year which he potentially gonna be a first round pick definitely a second round pick at worst but you know he's not it's better to have the depth where you have Acuna Wade there and uh, Arnett you have three guys who potentially are could be first round picks now two of them are gone Acuna and Arnett and then you have Chase Young getting to the quarterback um not you know not not happening this year because he's not there so it's just those those factors I think Ohio State lost some players and Clemson um got a little bit older and didn't lose as much especially with ETN coming back so yeah how how is Acuna doing this year in the NFL I think he's been banged up a little bit with uh with the lines I think he had a hamstring pull earlier this year I haven't followed him too much but I'd imagine he's doing all right I trust that he's He's gonna figure it out as a. Well, that's uh, true. They people do talk about the Lions and their secondary looking good. That's the the one silver lining of the Matt Patricia uh, being fired and <clears throat> the GM being fired. There is that at least they have a decent secondary if they can pick up the pieces right. Yeah, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on this game? What are your final predictions? What do you think? Would you take who would you take with the spread? And then, what do you think the final score is going to be? I guess. Uh, I, I've just got to go with a, uh, a Clemson victory here. I mean, know that we're in Ohio and everything, but I, I just, if I'm going with history, I'm going to choose Clemson. And I also think that it's, uh, it's easier to bet on Trevor Lawrence than against him. So, and just, yeah, I've got a good glimpse in. Okay, and any idea on the what final score there? I can't give you that, Adam. Okay, that's fine. I just don't look at it enough. I, I, I can't give I an honest you. opinion there. So, I I am also going to go Clemson. If I mean, most of my conversation topics I've talked about have been favoring Clemson. I just think Trevor Lawrence is the real deal, and I'm. I would be excited to watch, you know, Alabama Clemson play again. Um, but I think Ohio State has an outside chance. They're going to need to be able to run the ball to do so just to keep time in possession and keep the ball out of Trevor Lawrence's hands. That's the best shot, in my opinion. Um, and then not let big plays happen because Trevor Lawrence is an explosive offense. He has a laser. He can run the ball. He's really – he can do it with both. He can do it with his legs. He can do it with his arm, and that's a big threat. And then you have ETN to worry about out of the backfield as well. Um, but I think the offense – of Clemson's going to be able to handle the def- the secondary, especially of Ohio State. I, know, I think the offensive line's going to be able to block Ohio State well enough. They don't have the Chase Young presence coming at them. And then the secondary, like I said, they lost two first-round picks last year. That's just hard to replace for any team. You know, even though you have top five recruiting classes for both schools over the last few years, I just feel like um, Clemson's more built now. And then Ohio State, we'll see what happens. Um, 
And then we also need to see what happens with uh, Justin Fields in the big game against a ranked opponent. Um, last, Like I said, the last three, he's had seven interceptions, three touchdowns, and a below 60% completion percentage against ranked opponents. And it's only it's Indiana, Northwestern, and Clemson. So historically, n n um, Northwestern and Indiana haven't been that great anyway. I think Northwestern was like 1-9 and nine in the Big Ten last year. So it's not like they have a bunch of guys coming in through recruiting or anything. So it's just... A little bit interesting to me, but they're well coached. So I think that I would probably go Clemson by 10. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, let's go 10. Let's go like 48, uh, 38, something like that. We're still going to be a shootout. Maybe a little bit less, 45, 35. Somewhere around there where they're still putting up a lot of points. Because I think both defenses could be susceptible to points. But I feel like Clemson's going to be able to pull ahead early stay there and then um and then I could see Ohio State coming back a little bit. Like I say that I could see Ohio I could see Clemson up seventeen points five minutes ago. Ohio State scores and then Clemson is able to seal it with like a third down conversion from uh Trevor Lawrence. So is that uh what's the spread? Spread seven and a half points. Okay. So it's higher than the spread so you're, slightly. You're over. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, so I think that wraps that one up. So then the the second game, mm -hmm. do you know what order they go in? It's going to be Notre Dame, Alabama first, and then it's going to be Clemson, Ohio State later. But I think the big part of that, because one and four, you're probably going to have more of a better chance of a blowout compared to two versus three. Especially Ohio State, sure. Clemson, historically, you're going to have really good games. Notre Dame historically hasn't shown up um, in the playoff or in the college football playoff or in bowl games as much recently. But I feel like there's a better chance of them doing it this year than there has been in the past. And I'm not a huge Notre Dame fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I do see a lot of good things coming out of Ian Book this year. I don't think he's – he could be a later first-round pick, potentially, if he decides to go. I would stay definitely another year for him. I don't see him doing a whole lot in the pros, but I feel like he's a decent college quarterback. He started a lot of games. I think he's the winningest um, quarterback for Notre Dame history, so that's – you know, that has something there. And they beat Clemson this year in double overtime – and I know that Trevor Lawrence was out, and they had DJ Ukulele, and they had three defensive starters out for Clemson. But, I mean, they still pulled it off, and that was impressive because Clemson was, I thought, overall better than Notre Dame, and I didn't think Ian Book was going to be able to pull it off. But he, he's shown that um, he's been a lot more consistent this year. They got routed by Clemson 34-10 to in the ACC championship game. But what I saw out of that was Clemson had, I mean, Notre Dame had a few missed opportunities. They missed the field goal early on. A close chip shot field goal then they were close in the red zone and they didn't punch it in there again I think they settled for a field goals like so it's just it's not they the if they would have scored a touchdown instead of a missed field goal that would have changed the game early on because you would have the lead you could run the ball a little bit more that's what you did against uh Clemson early on and then you have to have you're almost in a shootout versus Clemson rather than getting down early against them and then you just have to keep throwing the ball and that's not your game Notre Dame's game is they're built in the front seven and their offensive line. That's when Notre Dame's built. They have a bunch of offensive linemen in the um, NFL, and they really improved their front seven um, this year, uh, this year and for, compared to years prior. So I feel like that's something that they could potentially slow down Bama with, but they're going to need to score with them as well. Bama's known for scoring, putting up points. They have two Heisman finalists. So I'm really interested to see what happens there. But um, – I think Bama's going to be able to pull away with this. They're 19 and a half point favorite, so it's no secret that I, that's my pick and I, my opinion there. But um, I, I could see Notre Dame keeping it close. I don't know what my final projection would be. I'm going to think about that for a little bit. But let's just hear your initial thoughts on that. 
Yeah, well, that's a lot to unpack there, Adam. Um, I agree with your initial pick of Alabama over Notre Dame. Um, I don't know. I Like I've said for the, the OSU-Clemson game, I can't predict the over-under. Or, no, I can't yeah. make any predictions on the spread. But what I can tell you is... Notre Dame has made it, let's see, how many times have they made it to the CFPS? I think they've made it two or three times, but they've got they've got hammered um, the two times I think they made it. it that's wasn't, it that's wasn't what I'm thinking, because there's, there's been six years, and I'm seeing uh, in 2019, Notre Dame lost to number three Notre Dame, lost to... Number two, Clemson, thirty to three mm-hmm. semifinals, and then the other one that I'm seeing is that the only one that I see. It may be. It may be. I think that they lost bad to Ohio State in um, it might have been the Sugar Bowl or something where or Cotton Bowl. Or I forget what it was, but um, they got blown out there. But that wasn't a college football playoff game. Yeah, that's crazy. So they've only made it to one, and that was in 2019. Mm-hmm. And they got blown out by Clemson. So that's the thing with with uh, Notre Dame is I just always feel like they they make it to – they're ranked in the top ten, and then they just miss out on the CFP. Or just like 2019, okay, they actually get a bone and they make it. But then they get blown out, and they were so, the last. They were in the last BCS championship game because that's why I thought they might have been in too. They played Bama, and it was forty-two okay. fourteen against Notre Dame. So I mean that that just goes forty-two back to, fourteen. So it's it. Now that's only two games, mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. still you know six or seven years of consistently being ranked in the top ten, and then losing two or three games. Badly at the end of the season. Ohio State so, Notre Dame was another one in the Fiesta Bowl in 2016, uh, 44-28, Ohio State. Yeah, so that I mean that's not a that's not a butt whooping that's or that's not a blowout, but that's a butt whooping kind of. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the thing where I just can't trust Notre Dame when it comes to the CFP. Mm-hmm. And then same with OSU, where I just can't trust OSU with the CFP because. Uh, out of the three years they made it, one year they were a four seed, and it was the first year the CFP was there, and they miraculously won it despite having Third their backup quarterback. quarterback Third string. And yeah, and then the other two years, it's like, well, we got whooped by Clemson, and then, well, we didn't get whooped, but we lost to Clemson again. Mm-hmm. So Notre Dame and OSU, it's hard for me to, to really pick. I mean, and I think that's what the CFP kind of is showing that, hey, this is a this is an Alabama, Clemson kind of showdown, and that's why you might also get some some argument for an expanded playoff because mm-hmm. when you have such a small sample size of four teams, uh, just like March Madness, you still see like in March Madness, the one seed doesn't win every year. Because you have a large sample size. In the CFP, we always have either Alabama or Clemson winning, basically. 
Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, State though. Clemson, Historically, it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Big Ten champion. But, I mean, it's been Ohio State a good amount recently. So, yeah, those three teams are almost a lock. And then Oklahoma's been in a good amount. Notre Dame's second time in. There's always that third. I mean, always that fourth team in. But do you yeah. think that would change if they expanded to eight teams or six teams? Do you think it would change, really, the top three teams, Ohio State, Bama, Clemson? I, I, I still see those three teams being historically, you know, consistently going to be um, going to be there, you know, at the end of the year. I could see, you know, potentially one year one of them's out, like, you know, but um, I just see that I think four is about the right number just because of the fact that it's, it's always going to be Bama, Clemson, Ohio State with potential of, like, an LSU random or – uh, I don't know, Penn State from the Big Ten or Notre Dame from the ACC or Texas. Or, I mean, they haven't even been in, but I'm just Oklahoma. I, I don't know. Go ahead. Well, that is, that is fair. Um, I mean, obviously, you can't do a NCAA tournament with 64 teams. You know, NCAA basketball March Madness tournament with 64 teams, yeah. or even more because they expanded the playoff um, playing games. But I think that you could at least expand it enough to be more similar to uh, the NFL. So I think I think what we're seeing is now. Tell me if I'm wrong here, Adam, but I think I just kind of. I might have realized this. I feel like the college football landscape is trying to almost expand their season into – they're on the verge of expanding their season into the NFL, where the NFL wants to go longer. Or they want to go a little bit – they want to keep it short, but yeah. the NFL wants to go longer. But the players want to keep it short because – For the NFL? They're the ones – no, they want to keep it short. Yeah, for the NFL because because of their body. Yeah, so they like they like to expand it one more week to week. I think eighteen. Where place. what's the right amount to play between mm-hmm. playoff like CFP college football? What's the right amount of games to play for football? To yeah. really know because even in the NFL, they they debated this early on where their seasons were shorter, and that's why it's always hard to compare statistics across generation because you know jim brown only played 10 games in a regular season yeah so it's just the age-old debate of football what's what's the amount of games you know even for fantasy football what how what's the amount of games how many teams should you have in your fantasy football playoffs you know yeah because you can have a team where you're scoring a lot of points for that season and unfortunately i did and i might sound like i'm griping here (laughs) but you can score like you know the top two points for in that season, but you could just have some ugly matchups where, for some reason, you know it was you were playing uh, Notre Dame and it was Notre Dame's hot day, mm-hmm. and even though you had a hot day, it was it was the first time Notre Dame had the gears clicking. So yeah. you can score a lot of points for, and you can. You can also have a lot of points against, though. That might say something about your defense, but um, I just think that sometimes we need a larger sample size to actually get the truly best team. And I know that's harder in football because of the longevity thing, where how many games is too long because these guys are like gladiators out there. 
Yeah, and what I would just touch on this before getting back to our final predictions would just be these guys are um they're not getting paid for anything. They're you know um they're not getting. But they paid. have recently changed a lot, at least they, down in California. And they're going to getting... uh, the Supreme Court is going to take up uh, the ruling to see if they should be compensated for um for their likeness or anything like that, which would be mm-hmm. great to bring back uh, NCAA football or games like that, <laughs> yeah. and then they could, you know, get advertised. And I don't know if that might help with um, evening out almost. Um, I think we can do a podcast on this, actually, but I'll just end with this. It could even out the um, discrepancy between the top dogs like Ohio State, Clemson, Bama, and other, you know, next year, do- uh, next year like um, North Carolina or Penn State or um, LSU, Florida. Because if you are one of the top on your team but let's say you're like the third best receiver or third best target or you could go to florida and be the number one target you could potentially get more money that way just because okay you're the top dog at a really good school but you're not going to bama where you're like the third one who's like not getting all the advertising potentially like you know use for likeness there so that's just a thought there it could almost even out and make a little bit more parity for the um, NCAA football. I'm just not sure on it, but I mean, if you're going to expand the playoff, I think and make the players go or have the players go through that much to get to the national championship, I think that maybe some compensation, or at least likeness, not have the school have to pay them, but like have you know outside reasonable or reasonable. Well, here's I agree with that, Adam, and here's my here's my push. Mm-hmm. I now this might be too outlandish for your liking, but that's my push of. I think, especially in the year of COVID, we've realized with a shortened season for some teams, like uh, the Big Ten, then we've realized that, hey, you don't need to play every game to, to get ready for the season. Or, I mean, some people might argue that, but I think that it's shown that, hey, we don't need any of these bull crab, uh, like OSU plus being plus 35 favorite team Again, or you know, they're they're favorited thirty five yeah. points against it's like Illinois some or some small like Illinois Rutgers, yeah, 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 same yeah. conference, but what like benefit, or... what benefit is that other than maybe benefiting the smaller school, the smaller guy, um, for ticket sales or something? I don't yeah. know. But at the end of the day, if you're we're the consumer, and now I guess you're right. It goes into the the debate of you know players' rights and since the laws are changing it could help but for us to have a better product out there and for the players safety though and longevity you just cut out those games that don't matter as much and then you start the playoffs not necessarily the playoffs but like a tournament system kind of like the uh ncaa tournament where you just trickled down your bracket pretty much where it's like hey we'll we'll give you the ratings at the beginning of the year but we'll adjust these ratings every every week but based on these ratings if you're a good team then you're going to be matched up against a less significant team and then you know winner of that matchup will play the winner of another matchup and loser of that matchup will go to the loser's bracket but i think that that would be the best way to actually determine Hey, here's here's uh, at the very end. Here's the best quality team that we can have playing the best quality team we can have from the other side, and that'll still have its debates about you know what side was a tougher side to go through and whatnot. But it's still just like, hey, 
this isn't just we're giving this to the network or the uh, the conference that's the biggest donors here, you know, because that's another thing where a lot of teams think that if if OSU or one of the big five school uh, conferences didn't have their team in the CFP, then the donors of that school would be upset, you know, mm-hmm. like just that stuff like that where uh, the implications are bigger than than you'd expect. If you do it a legit tournament style, you take that bias out. So yeah, and they have that um in NCAA one double um which is like which is um North Dakota States, which historically um they have like I think a twenty four team tournament that they play in. You have a few teams that have first, uh, eight teams that have a first round bye, and you just match up, and you have twenty four teams in, which could be potentially um could potentially work. Um, I don't know how many games they play each year, but um it, it can't be too far off from what they currently play. So yeah, North Dakota State was I think thirteen and zero going into the year, so it's just a thought there. But um I get what you're saying, but we'll see what happens there. Um that's you know a lot more hypothetical and obviously it'd be nice to see it. I think financially the NCAA is hurting a little bit this year just with not having fans in the stadium. These programs are hurting a little sure. bit. So I think adding potentially eight teams, I think eight teams is the max right now because they're really I guess 16, eight teams would be the max, six teams potentially with a first round bye for the one and two seed, just because I feel like one, they want, you know, that financial money that, you know, that could really benefit these schools. They said they wouldn't do it during finals week, but they're doing, you know, a big uh, championship games during finals week now because it's all about the money, right? That's what it is. So, um, it's just what it's just what it is. I I would say, and it's um I think I could, I could see it going eight just because some of these schools are hurting for money and it'd be great. To, okay, let's expand it to eight and that's about it. But I mean they're so stuck on keeping it at four right now and they wouldn't expand it even for a COVID year to eight or six or whatever. So I think that sure. with them being so determined to keep it low and that I just don't see that it's gonna go to twenty four or whatever 16 or whatever it is so i just i see eight and eight would make sense to me i mean you could put the power five championship winners in there top non um non power five school in i would do as well and then the top other two that are out there i mean you your your goal is to find the best team in the nation you're gonna find it with the top five you know the five power five conference champions two non uh two power five or more than likely two power five schools that aren't um conference champions and then the top non uh, non-power five school like the highest rated non-power five school which would be cincinnati this year you're gonna find the top school that year and you're gonna be able to do it. like you're, there's not gonna be any debate like okay well what about number nine i mean you can debate number nine but really are you really gonna think that they're gonna be you know you're sure. so much that you, it, it's almost no doubt in my I, opinion so hey i can get on board with that yeah so i mean i can see that happening and you just have some fun with it you know kids get to play a little bit longer it's gonna be what two more games what one more game, right? Because, yeah, it's just one more game, which, I mean, it does wear and tear on your body and whatnot. Maybe you look at some season structure. Maybe you go to 11 games in a year. I don't know what you do there. But, I mean, or extend the season potentially. Start a little bit earlier um, and a little bit later. I don't know. But, I mean, they'd have to work around that. But I could see them yeah. uh, I could see them doing an eight-team playoff. But going back to uh, Alabama and Notre Dame, I see, I see Bama 
really. I think that I think they might roll them. I would go probably over the nineteen and a half. I still think Notre Dame's a better team than they have been in uh, recent years, but I think also Bama's. They have two Heisman candidates. I think uh, Devontae Smith's uh, the receiver for him is going to be a top ten, at least top twenty draft pick. He's probably going to win the Heisman. Mac Jones is right there, stats wise. He's really balled out this year. And I just see that they're both um, they're both probably going to be a big impact against Notre Dame. I don't know if Notre Dame has the the firepower um, in, in the passing game to handle them. Um, but I, I think that they were deserving of being in the college football playoff. Um, Texas A&M was, there was a discussion that Texas A&M should be in over them, but we saw Bama beat them by 28 points earlier this year. So it's just hard to see, like, do you really want to see that again? Or do you want to see Notre Dame who beat Clemson earlier this year, albeit without Lawrence and a few defensive starters out, but they still beat them in uh, double overtime and, um, you know, lost to them, and that's their only loss is the team that they beat earlier this year. So I still think that Notre Dame is deserving, but I still I think that there are three teams in college football that um have a shot to win the national championship. I don't see Notre Dame having it with how they played against Clemson, but I do think that they were deserving at the four spot. And that's historically, I wouldn't have said that about Notre Dame, but this year I feel like they, uh, they deserve it. So Alabama has a uh, wide receiver. Who's up for the Heisman? Yes, and I think he thinks he's the favorite to win it. That does not surprise me. Alabama just pumps wide receivers out. They have two first-round picks this year coming out, like they did last year. Yeah, so so they had. Let me just go down the tree. So you got it. It all starts with Julio Jones for me, Mm -hmm. and then out of that, it's like what Calvin Ridley, and then after. And then after that, you've got Jared Judy and Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, Amari Cooper. You've Cooper. got Amari Cooper. Cooper's in there. Um, I mean, you if have... you need a wide receiver, go to Alabama, I guess. Yeah. but It's been Bama and Ohio State have really been producing. And LSU. Yeah. And LSU. And LSU, yeah. Those yeah. are the top three, I'd, I'd say, for wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, maybe we're missing some, <laughs> but, I mean, off the top of the head, it's like, okay, you can name multiple. Uh, from each school, so and they have two guys, Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith, this year. They're going to be first round picks again, so they just keep pumping them out. It's all about oh, and Clemson. You got to add Clemson in there. Well, Clemson, yeah, yeah, they are they're there as well. Hopkins and T Higgins has been good this year. Yeah, well, wasn't T Higgins out of TCU though? T Higgins was out of Clemson. Really. Mm-hmm. He got knocked out of the Ohio State game early on, I think. I think he got, like, knocked out with a concussion or something. Gotcha. Yeah, but, I mean, they, they um... Yeah, so they had Sammy Watkins, Hopkins, Sammy Watkins, Hopkins. Higgins. They had someone yeah. else with Watkins and Higgins. Uh, Hopkins and Watkins as well. I think they had, like, a third guy who was pretty good. I, I'm not the top of my head, but, um... Was Miller? Scotty Miller? Was he from, uh... I... I don't think okay. so. I don't think so. I just remember that they had like a white wide receiver. Made that it. was um. He's on the Raiders. Um, oh, he's on the Raiders. Okay. Oh my God. Renfro. Hunter Renfro. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yep. But um. Yeah. So you're we're both going with Bama. Um, pretty much by a blow. I, I assume. I, mean, I don't see it being too close. I see Notre Dame being better than this. Uh, historically but i still don't think that it's going to be enough to slow down the high-powered offense of bama plus they have really solid defense as well and then i think a lot of it just comes back to recruiting bama's always in the top five recruiting class ohio state is 
Clemson is. Notre Dame's been up there. They're more top 10-ish, top in the teens. But I just think that the recruiting is really big. And then the coaching, when you get to that level, really can help separate you. But all three schools have great coaching. It just separates you from each other. So um, we have, with that, we have Bama winning probably by a blowout against Notre Dame. And then we have Clemson winning in a closer game, probably more entertaining game against Ohio State. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy your New Year's and hope you enjoyed your holidays. And um, big thank you from Two Cents. So have, uh, have a good night and really hope the new year. Hopefully 2021 is uh, it's a great for year for you all. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Adam. Yep, thank you. All right, bye. Happy New Year, man. Happy bye. New Year.